0: Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Keita Spears, aka Hi Key. What up? What's up winners? I, I always say I'm excited when I have a guest on and like, I just want you guys to know, like I am not bullshitting you. Like I spend time, we spend time vetting guests and figuring out who we want to bring on the show. We're not just trying to bring, you know, a bunch of nobodies on the show, waste your time because number one, we really value our, your, your time, right? You're listening to this podcast right now. You could be listening to a bunch of other shit, but you hit play for a reason to listen to our show, how winners win. We want to be able to give back, help you guys win your personal life, your financial life, your business life, and if you're listening to this right now we, we know you're a winner you might be going through some dark times some funks um, Keita and I we go through some bad shit we deal with adversity and, and we want to share with you guys some of the things that have worked for us so if you haven't already, I'm going to call you guys out. I see the downloads. I see who listens to our show. And then I see how many reviews we have. And I'm like, what the fuck? We have a lot more people listening to the show compared to the reviews. So there's people right now that have been listening. And maybe you're this person I'm talking to. Weekly. You, you listen to the show every time and you've never rev- you know, given a review. It's like, come on, bro. I know you got
1: some value. Yeah,
0: so, so we- drop, w-
1: drop some likes, drop some five stars yeah. in, the, in the section. We
0: wanna make you laugh, think differently, give you a different perspective, add value in some way, shape, or form. And I know you're gonna get a lot of value out of this episode yeah. um, because of the guests that we have on. So do me a favor, head over to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review, give us some love that helps the show, that helps get our show in front of more and more people. And we wanna keep bringing episodes week after week after week. Kita, I see us doing hundreds of episodes. Right? Yeah, we right. got to
1: expand the winner's circle so we can have an in-person conference now if this crazy shit is over after COVID.
0: Amen. Well, you have to ask the, uh, Fauci if, if he allows that. Oh, you yeah, You're going to slide in his DMs and see if that's cool. So, he uh, tells me
1: with no mask on that I have to have <laughs> mask on, on my
0: <laughs> <hands>. <laughs> All right, everybody. I want to give a an int- proper introduction to a, a friend, a referral partner, and just a badass. His name is Oz Konar. He's an author of two books. Um, he is a contributor to Huffington Post and Entrepreneur Publications. Uh, His training programs are responsible for creating multiple six and seven figure earners. And he's helped countless people quit their jobs to become profitable entrepreneurs. And he's done this through a program that he's founded called Business Lending Blueprint. Oz Konar, welcome to the show, bro.
2: Great to be here, man. Great to see you guys.
0: Likewise, likewise. Well, uh, let's get into it, man. I want to ask you a deep question. I was looking through, you know, obviously we go back and, and I've worked with you for a number of years, but I wanted to yeah. dig deep and bring some some good shit to the audience. So you grew up in Turkey and when you were seven years old, your dad had some challenges with work. It looked like he lost his job as a plumber. And then yeah. when you were seven, he moved to America and that's where he stayed, and there was just a separation. Just talk to us about that. Like, what were you thinking when when that was going down?
2: Yeah. So, child psychology is interesting. This is something I've you know thought about for years. So, when you're seven years old, and I had uh, my my sister was three years old when my father took off. He took off with all the good intentions, right? But as a kid, if you're one one of your parents just leave you, you know, subconsciously blame yourself. You, you say to yourself, well, he left because I wasn't being a good boy or this and that, right? So you kind of grow up with that. And his idea was that it would be back in two years, but we were separated for a decade, right? So, I, I haven't seen this guy. But I've only seen it twice within a decade. So, you grow up with a without a father figure. So, as you can imagine, when you're seven years old, your world is just games, maybe school and friends, but when you're living in a country like turkey all of a sudden you have to be become an adult right so that's just what happened to me so i moved from childhood to like semi adulthood within two months when i noticed what the fuck is happening like oh there's no father figure in the family someone has to go pay the bills and of course unlike today we don't have internet and all that stuff so someone needs to go stuff get, get stuff done and travel forty-five minutes to the major city and get that taken you know, care of. Someone needs to go buy the groceries, and that um, caused a massive paradigm shift, right? So now I don't have time to play with friends. I don't have time to become an athlete that I so wanted to be. I don't have time for this and time for that. It's just taking care of the family. Um, so that's that. They that changed everything, and we got together with my pa- father. But through that, the, you know, those years that are kind of missing in our lives that uh made me think differently than my age group right because now i associated a lot of pain um uh you know to with money so i noticed that all right so if you don't have money your father leaves as a child's mind is very simplistic right so if you're broke you suffer so when you make those associations of associations in your mind then you you become driven to make a lot of money and i'm growing in a very low income family my grandparents were come from low income family my great grandparents were come from low income family so it's like a curse within the family that that's just how it is like you're fucking broke like no money money is always a problem that you discuss your 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 father leaves because there's no money so growing up that i think that planted when i look back I noticed that that planted the entrepreneurial seeds in my mind because you lack of that is associated with uh, you know a lot of other problems and that's why I started like selling stuff even at age seven. Just to try to you know i didn't have this grand purpose in life it was just freaking survival and help my mom out right then we came to the united states and obviously the united states is massive there's a massive opportunity and it got you know my wheels turning and, it, and i noticed that college is totally useless but i still went through four or five years of that thought that my parents you know paid the price as immigrants coming to the united states so they deserve that i get a freaking diploma I got the diploma the other day I got it, I gave it to them because I had nothing to do with that. I didn't really care for it. And I went to flea markets and started selling sunglasses, bags, and women's underwear, anything you can think of just to make some money. That's that, uh, you know, to, to answer a long winded answer to your question, that's what happened and what uh, I guess it contributed to our success right now in, in a weird way. Um, but yes, man, that's just a quick summary of what's been going through for the past 20, 30 years. <laughs>
1: Let's dive into that. So for a lot of entrepreneurs, I feel like for myself personally, you know, when you go through having, not having a father figure at a young age, those are formative years for any boy slash man, you know, seven to 17, essentially from what I picked up your father, you only saw him twice, Correct. Yeah. you know, so that's a huge part of your life. And to me, there's really only two paths for a young boy who doesn't have a father. You either hustle or you destroy yourself. Right. And I'm sure that probably growing up in Turkey and where you're from, there was probably a bunch of boys that didn't have a father and they probably chose that other path yeah. you know, besides you who who chose to hustle. You know, what kind of what do you feel like separated you? Because you know, you guys all grew up in the same place, probably some yeah. of the similar circumstances, their grandparents were poor or whatever it was. What separated you, Oz?
2: Um, so that those age uh, ages are brutal. Kids are brutal to each other, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, bullying and all that stuff. And once they notice that you're kind of defenseless, you don't have an older brother, you don't have a father, they want to attack you, right? But it's not because they're bad kids; it's just the way it is. It's just you know hierarchy works that way in public school system. So I was this little kid, and I was dealing with a lot of health problems. So I wasn't in a position to physically defend myself. So I got abused and bullied a lot by them, right? But as I was growing, I noticed that it's just a personality trait, I guess. I I, I just can't live like that, right? I was depressed most of my childhood but it came to a point that i started getting healthy i guess my the reason uh, i started getting healthy is because i wanted to win right so i was getting beat up i was getting left out no one wanted to work with me and no one did no no protection then i became a fighter I, i started fighting people beating people And in in that in mind, when you beat one kid, then everyone starts talking about you, especially I was the underdog and I beat this big kid at school and everyone is just talking about you. That brings you some level of reputation Then you notice, oh, this is actually cool. I got a lot of attention. So I just repeat this, right? So I became that guy and I got involved with, you know, they're not really like American uh, style gangs. But i became part of like local gangs to protect, and that was all just survival instinct right so just for me to protect myself and my loved ones because i had a younger sister she was totally defenseless too right so that's what it does when you you know that's when you put someone in a position of um, total despair they don't have any place to go your back is against the wall you get creative which is similar to entrepreneurship right like you guys when i became an entrepreneur I was totally fearless because like, I'm like, see, I've seen the worst. What is the worst thing that can happen? Like, I, it's already, I've been through it already. So I've, a couple of failed businesses, but it was always like, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. A lot of my f- friends and family thought, you're just crazy, man. Like you have this degree, go become a scientist. And I was a pre-med. I got accepted the medical school. I didn't go, right? Because I didn't want to be one of them, which is okay. But I, I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't I going to be that person. So, you know, that, uh, that negative circumstances uh, you know, uh, it, it breeds a positive outcome. But to your point, yes, I could have chosen the negative side. I kind of did halfway, but i would never gotten involved with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. It was just the survival, and that gave me the leadership skills without me noticing. then I liked that feeling, and I noticed that there were more people around me and then I combined that with the entrepreneurial way of running businesses. Why I did that, I don't really know how it I didn't get out of hand and made me a freaking gangster. I have no clue, honestly, but it's just the way it worked. It could be a personality thing. It could be just, I wanted to do good. Uh, I don't know, one of those things, but it, it ended up working fine and I survived that environment and started taking lessons out of that and applying it to entrepreneurial uh, you know, journey.
0: Man. And, and, uh, just so you guys know, you know, Oz is, uh, is someone that doesn't do a whole lot of flexing and, and I know he could, you know, I think it's just a really cool story. Oz, how you've been able to, to immigrate from Turkey and, and here you are in the United States, you know, having seven figure businesses. When did you, when did you leave Turkey and come to the United States?
2: Uh, when I was 17. Yeah. Right. Before I, I turned 18.
0: Okay. What was your English like when you came to the States?
2: Nothing. (laughs) So so talk
0: talk to us about that, man. Like how, how was, how was that? Like, what was that? Do you, do you remember like your first day or your first week or first month? You know, I couldn't imagine just being in a foreign country, not knowing the language, like what was going on in your mind? Is there any experiences that you remember? Where'd
1: you move to? Like, where'd you guys relocate to in the U.S.?
2: Uh, New Jersey. So we ended up in New Jersey. There were a bunch of Turks and they put you in this public school system, their ESL classes. But I don't speak a word of English, like nothing at all. And in my class, there are people from you know across the globe, pretty much every country you can think of. And I'm naturally an introverted person. So if I was extroverted, I'll, you just go and start talking to people, right? These people are full of energy. They get their energy from talking to people. They're learning perverse. A lot less steep for someone who's naturally introverted so i don't i don't go out there and just start conversations with people and that doesn't help you when you come to the united States and try to learn english right so the first two years it was like hell like I, I don't have any friends no one wants to talk to me i don't want to talk to anyone it's like a very depressed period of time but i gave myself the reading so within that two-year period i probably wrote like 200 books uh, so that uh, helped me not only learn English. So it was a book. Uh, it was a combination of Turkish and English books. And something happened on my senior year. That all that accumulation of knowledge, uh, I started thinking differently. And then I start. I just started speaking English uh, again. I'm still not a perfect native speaker <laughs> of English, but it just those two years, I just you know locked myself in, and just kept reading, reading, reading. And that's the time that internet is just is not as prevalent as right now so you can't just find books online I'm just purchase a book going to the library and sitting down and just reading stuff i think that made the shift for me uh it, it could have been used some other way uh, but i just said hey i'm stuck here i hate being here i don't have any friends because when you leave your high school at, uh, at the age of 17 you have you have built strong relationships right any 17 year old We'll probably have friends that have been hanging out for a few years, right? Imagine just severing all of that and coming to a new country and just starting brand new with nothing, no resources, no help or anything like that. So it was uh, it was brutal to be to be honest. You know, it was not easy at all.
1: <laughs> so I got a question, man, because like it seems like you know you're when looking back on it, you you made a lot of the right choices. Reading all those books, you know, led to you being able to get better at English, led to you having more confidence in the uh-huh. classroom and be able to make friends. But like. You're also a kid who just had ten years where you didn't have a father figure in your life. So, like, wow. where is this coming from? Do you feel like it just you've naturally always had this intuition to do these these types of things that gets you ahead, and it was kind of against the grain, or was there some type of mentorship during this transition period?
2: Not, not real mentorship uh, through this period, but I was always into history. Uh, it, it's just a natural inclination that I love reading uh, anything related to history, and I always thought of myself as like historical character and I admired like the commanders and generals who have been put through such difficult times and they had to pull through for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I always associated myself like a mental uh, practice, even at a younger age, what would I do if I had 10,000 soldiers in my command and how would I make sure that they come back home safe? Whatever, call it a mental disease or whatnot. But that was always like my alternate ego type of thing. And that let me, whenever I was stuck in a position, and instead of feeling this is a helpless situation, this is fucked up and I'm fucked up, I would just go back into that state and be like, how would this person react in that case? Again, I have no clue where that came from, but that's how, why I started reading because no one in my family told me, oh, you got to read books because they didn't know any better themselves, right? It's just something that I came up with. But it was just an alternate personality or maybe, I don't know, maybe a multiple personality disorder. I have no clue what it is. But I always associated myself with those historical figures. And it, it even took a deeper turn when it came to the United States because I had access to a lot of books, a lot of history, like American history, European history, like Ottoman history, and all that stuff. So I, I that, that just propelled that behavior. So whenever I didn't know, and I have this principle, when you don't know what to do, give yourself a day, sleep on it, and next day, no matter what, take action, right? That's my principle. So don't let any problems linger. If I don't know what to do, I just take a day, let it sleep on it. Usually, uh, I, I, you know, I think some other, I, I can't remember the person who said this, but when you focus on something so big, you sleep on it, solution is kind of given to your dreams. That would happen. I would wake up with some kind of solution, just apply that. In my teenage years, it's a simple solution. Or right? you get bullied. What do you do? Well, you just punch back, right? Or the, that, that kind of thing. When uh, here you don't speak English and you don't want to talk to people, you're not people person, what do you do? Well, you read. You, you got to spend time doing something productive. I think that's where it came from. Why do I have that? I have no clue.
1: Wow. So winners, I mean, you should definitely rewind that. So basically you have a solution-oriented brain to begin with. You know, If there's a problem, all right, what's the next possible solution? Right. And then another thing that I feel like uh, is low key that was really good that you did is that you just started studying people that are bigger than life characters you know me and blue we're history buffs you know we love history we're all, that's what we talk about on on at the Man, water you, know, you know I'm
0: watching uh, last night and I'm not even a big fan of CNN but it's a documentary on Jerusalem
1: mm-hmm. and uh,
0: it's it's eight episodes in the series and it talks about just like all the different civilizations that occupied Jerusalem, the Ottoman Empire, uh Herod the Great, um, I mean, just a bunch of different the the Crusades, right? Like that the same land. Yeah, man. Like it's pretty crazy to you know, Sikhs. I wanted to understand more about like the Palestinians and, and, and the yeah. Jews and just understand like it's pretty crazy that one city, right? You have all of these different religions that claim it, right? Like Muslims, Christians, Jews. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, that's it. I really like that. We you know what Keita's saying about what you're saying, Oz. And then I was going to add Ketal. What I, what I think winners that you guys can take away from what Oz just said is, one, how many times do you make a good decision when you're emotional about it? right? Like when you're pissed, when you're sad, like when you have a lot of emotions invested in that, in that decision, you're more times than not going to make a bad decision. So I like what Oz said is, yo, don't make a decision that day. Like take a step back and be more objective, like understand the facts, seek more facts, you know, remove yourself, detach yourself from that situation. So your emotions can die down. And then what I like you more is, take action the next day because Mm -hmm. you could detach yourself. You could say, you know what? I'm going to sleep on it. And then the next day happens. You're like, I'll just do it tomorrow. Brush it under the rug. I'll just do it next week. And then tomorrow is not a day. Next week is not guaranteed. So, I mean, that's not a coincidence. Oz, you are where you are today because you just take massive action, but it's calculated.
1: What's up winners. I know you're getting a lot of value from the show. Pop over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and tell a friend back to the show.
2: Yeah. yeah, man, I noticed that I made a lot of mistakes when I rushed into decisions, right? And also, I made a lot of mistakes when I don't make any decisions, right? So, pushing a decision to a future date is not a solution at all. And a lot of times, as the saying goes, if you don't know where to start, start anywhere, right? So, a lot of times, you will, as, as an entrepreneur, right, it's easy to talk about success when you reach a certain level. It's not easy to talk about success when you don't have any what do you do? You just take action. You don't know. Like you, you try, you just keep trying, keep improving. you not it's not going to be like a slam dunk offer business on your first try, right? Sometimes you wake up and it could be one of the shittiest days in your life, and you ask that always ask the question. The, instead of a lot of people just ask questions to other people immediately, but they forget the most important person, which is themselves. So you got to ask the question, what do I do now? And you got your self-talk is the most important talk because. You, you never talk to other people more than you talk to yourself. We're constantly talking to ourselves. But a lot of people are trying so hard to shut down the communication with themselves through the use of social media or your, their phones and whatnot, right? Just, you know, watch people. When I go to a doctor's office, I just watch people. No one can sit still. They're just, they're always on their phone because they're so afraid that what if I, I, I just have just myself and no one else? It feels lonely. They're scared of that. But when you come to peace with who you are, you're your biggest help. Then if, if you ask the question, what do I do now, your answer will allow you to find the person who can help you. That's, but, but if you don't even think about it, and if I go just start asking Roland and any one of you, how do I do this? How do I do that? I do this with my, exercise with my students all the time. I'm like, how long have you thought about this problem? I don't know, like a minute. Hmm. And no wonder you couldn't find a solution yet. Like it, it just wouldn't work that way, right? So you got to be okay. Uh, with being uncomfortable in a situation. Problems, they make us uncomfortable. We want them to go away. That's why we push them away. It's okay to have problems. Just sit with the problem for a while. Think about how you can solve that instead of bitching and complaining that you have a problem. That's given. People had problems way bigger than you will ever have in your lives, right? But you make the problem bigger by just making it about something else than, than yourself. That's why I always have that rule: take a day break, then next day take any kind of action. If I need to call somebody, I'll make a phone call. Yeah, if I need to do sit down and you know, uh spend some time on it. So I, I usually my cr- creative brain works at nighttime when everything settles down. If I'm doing any kind of production, the entire business planning blueprint was created between twelve AM and five AM those five hours for like four weeks straight the the, the the production the planning and recording and all of that so you got to find your own time like wh- whatever time module works for you right but it's, it always starts every, every success starts with yourself within then it becomes without if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely and then uh to piggyback i, I think what you said is is awesome and then also i think you know the bigger the problem, usually the bigger the opportunity. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we, like you said, we, we run away from, uh, you know, the, the fear of discomfort. So speaking of big problem, I mean, you, you've solved a big problem in terms of helping people break away from their nine to five jobs. And the, the problem that you've been able to solve with this, with this person and helping them break away from their nine to five job is teaching these people how to make money, solving another problem, which mm-hmm. is funding for businesses, right? Like getting capital for businesses is a huge issue because we know Wells Fargo and chase and these big banks, they don't give a shit about us. You know, they just want to just, you know, fill out applications in two weeks, a month, two it's months processing time. Wells
1: Fargo. I literally looked at my account the other day and it said I was a, a client since 2013 it's only because I, I signed a piece of paper freshman year of college at orientation and apparently they got me a bank account. Never funded it. Never opened it. I just now opened up a Wells Fargo bank account. been a member since 2013. They're, apparently.
0: they're, they're claiming you though. They're
1: claiming yeah. me they're, though. They're, they're, they're claiming they're me claiming, they're from claiming. A signature when I was 18 years <laughs> uh, old. Yeah, yeah. Dude, a lot
2: of them are criminals. They got convicted. Like they, it, you know, people talk about, oh, merchant cash advanced industries kind of shade it. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> Look at, well, they, they, these people, they had, to, they, they had to be bailed out like, These are corporations, no one went to jail, but they're freaking criminals for what they they duplicated accounts and all that stuff. So that's who you're relying on to get your funding and all that stuff. So it started as a protest to a lot of what's going on out there, all this misinformation. And honestly, when I created the blueprint, it wasn't for uh, the uh, people to start their own business. I just hated a lot about the current industry, like the merchant cash advance, alternative lending industry how some of the players are lying to their customers, how they they had no business sense. They were just offering one product and one product only. I was consulting them one-on-one. After a while, I got tired of it because they were so stuck in their ways. And I just said, all right, I'll just, what I know, I'm going to pour it into a training and offer it to see who's going to be buying it. And initially, people from the industry didn't want to have anything to do with me because you know, I was being a little too much on their face. You know, Here's what you're doing wrong, here's where you're gonna fail type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then outside of them, the industry, a lot of people started noticing, hey, this could be a great business opportunity for me. And that was the feedback I started getting. And that's why in business, feedback loops are really, really important. Every successive business, they have feedback loops created because you need to hear back from your customer. For the first year, uh, the entire blueprint, uh, you know, the, the webinar was live. I was doing it every single week, inviting people over, doing it every single week. Why? I wanted to know what the hell they think, because I don't know if this is a good fit for them or not. I'm just, you know, uh, giving them my opinion of what's what's real and what's a real problem. But market doesn't give two shits about your opinion. Market has its own opinion, right? Market is the only place that either will validate or decline what you're trying to sell. So people go about, I think this is gonna be a great idea. So I'll be, I'll open up a bakery. Well, the, what does the market think about it, right? You you might want to do something, but is that the good fit? Uh, good fit for that. So yeah, it's just like you guys said it's it, right, you know solution focused and customer obsessed. Uh, I guess obsessive behavior to focus on how do we solve a problem and the amount of money you make is highly associated with the size of the problem you solve. In our l- industry, lending, the size of the problem you solve. It's huge. Someone needs money, and look at what I've been through because we didn't have money, right? So I can highly relate to it at a personal level, and we try to reflect it in our training and what we do every single day.
0: Yeah, can you describe to the audience what is the business lending blueprint?
2: Business lending blueprint is an e-learning platform for someone who's entrepreneurial and they believe in hard work, but they believe in uh, you know finding the right vehicle. For them to either get rid of their job or or if they're already running a business but it's the failing business it's not the right business for them it's an e-learning program where we teach someone uh, about a niche industry which is alternative lending as the name suggests alternative to bank lending anything banks do not do we teach them how to do that uh, to become a business loan broker and by doing so they can work from home and build a six-figure business and as you guys know we have some players who are like who built massive Broker shops and they're making seven figures. They're pretty much multi millionaires by becoming a business loan broker. So that's that's what we do. We have the largest training facility, both in the United States and Canada, over 3,000 brokers, and we're adding more every single month. And they have a lot of skin in the game to be successful. Our program is not free, it's $2,500 to $3,000 level. Uh, but they, that's why we want to make sure that we're only bringing in people who want to build a business. Um, that that will make a massive change right so you got to understand why you would do that and usually we attract people who have a strong why like i, I need to move out of this neighborhood or i'm getting old and i need to have some kind of financial stability in my life if i just want to work from home i mean well, look at what we're going through right now i think that kind of brings it home for most people
0: yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being able to have a successful group that you've had for many years and, uh, you know, over 3000 members, uh, I mean, no that's small potatoes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, uh, just so you guys know, like his Facebook group is always popping. I mean, there's always people asking questions. It's, it's super engaged. Um, and, and I, I see real people making real money with it. Uh, so, but let's take it back. I know You know, it wasn't always like that before the business lending blueprint even existed. uh, I was reading about, there was a time where you were working 60, 70 hours a week and you were making pretty good money and your wife fucked you up. She's like, babe, like, when are we actually going to have dinner? So the way I interpreted that story was you were just working all day, every day and your wife was getting leftovers. She wasn't getting any of your time. So kind of walk us through, you know, that, that point, because it sounds like, you know, you went from, you know, moving to, uh, from Turkey, to the United States, you were able to, take a lot of initiative and, uh, you know, self-help and, and level up, um, and, and graduate high school. And then, you know, you ended up getting into sales. It sounded like, and making pretty good money at a yeah. young age. Um, but just kind of talk to us about that chapter where, you know, you kind of were getting burnt out in, in the corporate world.
2: Yeah. I, I wasn't actually noticing that I was getting burnt out. It's like my, my thought process was like, all right, man, this, this is working. Now we're making money, now we're working hard. So I have this hustle mentality, right? If I keep, if I just keep hustling, we'll just keep adding more digits to our bank account type of thing. So it wasn't a clear strategy. I didn't have an exit strategy at all. It's just work until you die or you make some more money. That doesn't work well when you're married. <laughs> There's this other person. <laughs> and he made some promises too, and they have expectations too, right? So I think I would have been fine if I was just a single dude and work until whatever I I fall off and just get back up and get at work again. No, no kids. But in that a cat. was a, oh, a shit moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. And my wife was like, "Hey, just so you know, I, I'm here, and you're just always talking about you know uh, your job and how much money you're trying to make and your sales and what you're learning." And that was like a moment of truth for me, but I didn't pull any triggers out of that until the company I was working for started firing senior level salespeople who are making like 250, 300,000 a year. And here I am at like 150, 175. I'm kind of looking up to these people. I'm like, yeah, I want to be like them one day, right? And the company says, Nah, these people are getting older and whatever. They're just, you know, uh, they're not on the streets anymore. We'll just replace them. So for someone who's like in their late 50s and 60s to be fired from a job where they do like some kind of management role, go get another job that pays them 253 on 300 grand. Even in New York City is pretty difficult. Right. So I noticed their lifestyle, it diminishes. And now I noticed that the ladder I was climbing was you know, leaning against the wrong building, if you will. Right. So I noticed that's me in 20 years, probably uh, divorced and by myself, lonely and uh, probably broke because you can't just it's not sustainable that's when i you know decided to go back to my entrepreneurial uh, roots but the problem was i did not know what to do like I, I you know at that stage i can just go back to the flea markets right so that i've done that when i was going through college i had no clue but i gave myself 6 months uh you know you followed the usual process that i mentioned i don't know what to do i'll figure it out and well i figured it out i left my job after 6 months started a marketing agency business that totally failed so it, it just has not worked at all because i didn't have any target audience we didn't know what we were doing we tried many things that kind of trial and error thing then i got coaching from i went to a tony robbins event and they sell their coaching i bought it on a credit card pretty much i didn't get coached by him but one of the coaches that they train so that that guy helped me understand myself so he didn't give me any entrepreneurial ideas but that, you know, that's how I learned how to communicate with myself even better. Then we started trying different things. Then we started focus on the market that I used to be a salesperson for, which is lending, credit card processing, payroll, and all that stuff. Because I used to work for you know, paychecks and ADPs the big guys for a few mm-hmm. years. Then I got into the alternative lending as a marketer and started doing marketing and noticed how things are all fucked up here in this industry for the most part, especially for those who are just selling merchant cash events. And slowly that kind of gave birth to the business standing blueprint. So it wasn't like a overnight success story. One day I was going to college, then I made a lot of money through the corporate job. Then I switched and made a lot of money here. It, it, life doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh,
1: I really like how, you know, the, the your coach, you know, it's a, I love how you say, you know, he didn't really give you entrepreneurial advice, but he helped you learn about yourself you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, some of the winners listening to this, they may be an all-star employee. And that's what it sounds like with you were, Oz. You were all-star employee, the best at what you did, you know, are working to be the best at what you did in your company. But as a result of doing that, you're going all in. And unfortunately, when you're not working for yourself and you're going all in like that, other people around you, your loved ones, you know, probably have something to say about it. In this case, it was your wife. Yes. And I love how eventually what it gives you the freedom to still have your family and live the life that you live today is essentially what you were already doing for somebody else, but you decided to do it for yourself.
2: Yeah. You know, so. you shouldn't really be teaching something you haven't done yourself, right? I don't believe in that theoretical coach type of thing. Like people, there are business coaches out there who never. Instagram gurus.
0: I mean, they put <laughs> yeah. they put CEO in <laughs> their yeah. bio though, Oz. Like they're a business owner. I thought if you put CEO in your bio. 10K followers like, swipe you're up. You're legit, you know? bro.
2: Yeah, A couple of followers, fake followers on Instagram, and you can become a business coach, right? Um, It doesn't work that way. Like you can't read a a couple of motivational books and become a business coach. No no businesses are sustained that way. You can't create value that way, unfortunately, which is happening nowadays a lot on social media, right? That's why you got to do it first. And I, I also believe that you can't learn everything through practice. We don't have enough time. That's why you get coaching, right? If that was the case, well, all of us would be in different places because there's no time for me to go through trial and error. At some point, you got to decide, all right, I'm willing to hustle and work hard, uh, but I need to get the coaching from someone who's done it. That's why my philosophy right now to hire a mentor I follow is his business or her business needs to be at 10 times bigger place than mine. So he's been through a lot already. So I can, when I bring my problems, that person already knows what I'm going to say next. Whereas if you have someone following some templates given by some of the gurus, then they ask you to fill that out, that has no purpose, right? So that's why as you go through changes in your life, don't forget to change your coach and mentor as well. Like you can't be staying with the same person that you started out with. That's kind of very important. Uh, that's why I usually every two, three days, two, two, three years, I join different masterminds and I want to hang out with people who kind of figured out a lot of things that's becoming a massive problem for me as a growing business. Uh, so you got to look at this as a journey, not just do I get help or do I not get help? Well, do I get help? Who do I get help from? How often do I get help from that person? What kind of help do I get from that person? Those are all like deeper level questions than is coaching, does coaching really work? Do I need info products? Do I need this and do I need that? You need something that's given but figure it out, but no, just ask deeper level questions.
0: What's your uh, thoughts on degrees in college? I, I was reading, you got a degree in biology and chemistry, and uh, here you are just making seven figures in business lending. So I'm glad you brought uh, yeah, that up. Cause uh, I know
1: that you said that your parents had a big influence. You gave your degree to your parents. So school really wasn't always something that you maybe had this super, you know, deep passion for your pre-med and didn't end up going. That ultimately you made the right decision. What's up winners? I know you're getting a lot of value from the show. Pop over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and tell a friend. Back to the show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was never a big fan of scope because I was bored most of the time, right? I was not entertained. Um, they just want to make you, I guess, an overall good individual on everything. Uh, well, massive success comes from niching down on a single thing which is against the whole college structure. <laughs> they want you to take an uh, anthropology course while you're focusing on biology because they think, ah, why not? So you're overall pretty knowledgeable person. So I'm not totally against the idea if, because not everyone is entrepreneurial, right? I'm sure everyone wants Lamborghinis, but ne- not everyone will get it. They will not be, become successful students. You want your surgeon, your accountant, your lawyer to have a degree so they are educated. They don't make mistakes, right? But for the bulk of people, they go to college because they don't know what else to do with themselves, right? And the system is broken way before college. College is kind of already too late, right? So I have two kids right now. No way I'm putting them through the public school system. Like one is five, the other one is three i i i will not they they will not be trained by somebody who believes in that system because the age to figure out what a kid is made of is not in, in college so you want to kind of figure it out like if you look at all the artists all the famous people that we know and recognize even after 2000 years someone figured out the talent in them kind of early on and that you want to feed that passion by giving just you got to by giving them the things related to that passion right for example my son He's into bugs and flies and all that stuff, right? So school system would probably think he's a weirdo because he just loves touching every kind of animal. He loves studying if they're venomous, poisonous, and all that stuff. Like he's so into it, he's only five years old. So I feel bad taking that kid, putting into the college system so he can learn about random shit. So for that reason, we want to feed what he is into so he can become the best at what he does. You guys probably know the Tiger Woods story, right? He didn't start playing golf at age seven or 10 or 15. His father was a golfer. Even when he was a little baby, it was watching his father swinging. When his subconscious mind was you know being fed with those images of the right swing, wrong swing. As he was growing it, he adapted that over and over and over and over again. That's why he's number one right now. That's, and if you want to help your kids become really good at what they do, that doesn't always mean monetarily, like they might not want to become a millionaire or multi-billionaire. So it's very difficult to accomplish that with the school system that we have, right? And also, it's very difficult to change the system. A lot of the comparisons are like, oh, look at Finland. They have the best school system. Yeah, but their fucking population is only a few million. Take that same concept and apply to a country with 450 million. This is not going to work, right? So it's just the model. Then then you're in for yourself. You, you got to figure it out. That's why every parent has that responsibility. And I, I don't want to just badmouth the school system. But if you think that your kid has the potential and you're in a position financially to get special care for them, I think you think more about them than just dropping the kids off to school and let someone else handle your problem, right? That's why college is, because college, good or bad, is the wrong discussion in my mind. What has happened prior to that, right? If I'm, and when I was 17, 18 years old, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. So it's not college's problem. No one took time to help me understand myself, so I could have said, I have nothing to do with biology and chemistry. So I have a mind that thinks like a scientist, but that doesn't mean I need to go there, right? Someone, if someone helped me underst- understand that, I could, I could have started my first real business when I was 17 years old. And today I would have been at a way different point than where I am right now. So you see how it catapults people. So people talk about the college because it costs money. Like people graduate, they owe a lot of money, but I think it's the whole system uh, for someone who wants to go to s- special places that you, you need to really evaluate how, where you start your kid from. Uh, otherwise we can talk about college and how broken that is all day long. But I don't think it's going to solve the problem.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a good point.
2: Go back to the
1: root.
0: Yeah. Do you regret going to, you know, majoring in uh, biology and, and chemistry knowing where you are now?
2: I do because I could have done way better with my time because I was already a hardworking person, right? If you're lazy and if you hate college, you wouldn't have done fucking shit anyways like, if you didn't go to college. So you <laughs> right. you need to be already like in a position of like I'm gonna do something with my life. Then you gotta look, you can look back and say I spent five years of studying human biology, animal biology, and spent hours on laboratories because you know the biology I did double major biology and chemistry and all that. So I could have spent the same focus on building a business, but that's me and some of the other people. A lot of people go to college because they don't want to do shit, anyways. Then you, you kind of force them into. Like, if you take them off to college, they're not going to go build rocket ships, right? So that's why it is needed. If you're if you're settled with bare minimum, at least go to college, like do something. Then we we need people for the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. But for the you know bulk of the people who are driven, they want to do something. It's a dream killer because it has no clear purpose, and they're taking one subject, let's say basic biology. They're taking four months to teach it. Teach that shit. you kidding me? Like, we're teaching people how to run a business through an online course. You can't teach a basic subject in like two, three weeks. Someone needs to go through like four months and then second semester on that, third semester on that. That's crazy. That's madness. But it's extended that way. So people make more money, I guess. And that's just how it was created back. And I have no idea why, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so going back to business, Oz, what, what were some of the the key things that you did right that helped your business go from six figures to seven figures a year?
2: Uh, Listen to right people and stop listening to the wrong people. So that's, I guess the biggest thing, right? So I listened to my mentors And I ignore others because everyone wants to give you an opinion when you're in business, especially when you start making some moves. Everyone wants to talk to you about what's the next thing, the next technology, next tool, next marketing thing, this and that. You can easily get very distracted and you can even lose what you have. So my philosophy on that is always follow someone who's making it happen and get advice, specific advice from it. So when I ask questions to these people, I don't usually ask, how do I do this? Because in my mind, how is something I got to figure it out. Like, go figure it out. Like, we're all smart enough. It's just, if I do this, well, do you think I will get the results? Or what are the consequences of not getting the results? Because I'm trying to avoid trial and error, right? So going from seven figures to eight figures, many businesses do not accomplish that. Because first, you get complacent. You got money right? So then there's really no motivation to work hard for most people, uh, unless you're a workaholic or, or you're serving a bigger mission than just making the money. The second thing is you have you have very limited time. So, and also you have a brand to protect. When you were nobody, you can just do trial and error. No one knows you anyways, right? But now you're if you're putting a new offer to the market, people are here, they hear, they listen, they follow you. When you pull that back, It stays with them. So it's important that you make more strategic moves. So you're you're still making a lot of moves, but a lot more calculated than before. So when you're in the hustle mode, who cares? If you're cold calling 30 people, cold call 50 people. Just make it happen. Make shit happen, right? Make it rain. If you're dialing 300 people, dial 500 people. But if you need to dial 50,000 people, it's important how you do that, right? A lot of people do that by hiring 100 people and have them dial because that seems to be the simplest solution. Just add more human beings in there and have them do what you're doing. But then what you're not foreseeing is that now you're dealing with an office, overhead, profit margins going down the drain, right? Instead, what would be better to do invest in technology so you don't have to fucking dial. How about that for a concept, right? So those are the things that matters when you're trying to jump to eight figures, not just the first thing that comes to mind, because the cost of failure is a lot higher at that level than the cost of failure when you're just brand new, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, the, the margin for error is that that much smaller when you have a real reputation. When you're trying to make a name for yourself, you could go big or no one even notice anyway.
2: Whatever. You, you keep changing industries, you keep changing jobs or career, no one will notice. You just keep trying until you make it. But then that's why like companies, I, I used to laugh at like Amazon and Google and be like, oh, they take three months to make a decision. Ha ha, ha how stupid they are. Well, now I understand why they take that much because the com- second and third uh, you know, level of consequences is way bigger for them, right? They're in the stock market. You're going to sh- you know, navigate the entire, like this aircraft carrier size company to a direction. So it needs to be made very slow and very carefully. Uh, So yeah, a lot of things you understand as you grow and the uh, the cost of mistakes become a lot more than when you don't have anything going on.
0: What would you say to someone? Because something that I hear pretty common in the the entrepreneur world is kind of what you mentioned earlier. One, you got to know who to listen to. And I like your example of if they're not doing 10x of what you're doing, like you shouldn't be listening to them, right? Like it's really easy to get you know, advice from someone that is out of shape, overweight and eats like shit. And they tell you how to live your life from a health standpoint. Yeah. It's like, really? And then, you know, we know those people that love to chirp and talk shit about your business when they don't even have a business. Right. So okay. the person should be qualified. That's giving you advice. Right. But then one thing I hear a lot about is people having a problem tuning the noise out you know, tuning out other people, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, but just tuning out that negativity because they're still at a point where they still care too much about what other people think. And what would you say to someone like that, that, that feels that way?
2: Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta come to terms. uh, This is not going to be sweet talk. All right. So it's going to be harsh, but you got to come to terms with being lonely. Okay. As you go up, the number of people that you can communicate with will go down. Uh, When you just have a job, you can have that, you know, water cooler room conversation with your buddies about how horrible your boss is and how Friday is a horrible day and all that stuff. When you're the boss, there's no one to blame. It's you. Okay. So you got to come to terms with that most people that you're associating yourself with as you grow, you're going to find less and less things that are common with them and over time you're going to have a degree of separation so i don't talk to a lot of my old friends it's not because we're enemies or we hate each other it's just there's just nothing in common that i can discuss with that when we sit down over beer or coffee or whatever right so a lot of the friends and family visits are organized by my wife like i just show up and spend the time because i love them i value them but you know when i when it comes to talking about business i try to keep my mouth shut because then when you talk, someone's gonna to try to give you an advice or feedback, then it bugs you, no matter how strong of a psychology you have. Someone says, Oh yeah, I got a friend who tried that 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 didn't work. Huh? You guys scam people a lot, or you guys scammer like even, the, even even if they joke about it, that kind of bothers you, then you come back home, try to focus on what you do, it just comes back. Right. You can't so you can't just hear something and ignore it you got to stop it and stopping is sometimes it requires delineating yourself and unfortunately if you have a bad partner right wife husband whatever you have going on it makes it a bit more difficult because if this person is not aligned with your goal it's going to be very difficult for you to, because entrepreneurship was difficult already as is. But if your closest ones do not believe in the dream that you're going after, then you got to consider those relationships because you, if you're really determined to go to places, especially initially, most people will not understand you, right? But it's happened with my parents. When I started, I, You know, I gave them the diploma, but they were heartbroken that I didn't go to medical school. And they, they, you know, they almost didn't even want to mention their friends and other family members that I, I'm not doing what I'm practicing and I'm selling shit on the flea markets. Like, you know, all that dust and dirt and selling $10, $15 product. They were almost like embarrassed. But now fast forward, they're like, we knew that you'd make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How can we're you always proud of, of you.
2: Like, <laughs> so that, that changes, right? So, but through that time is the difficult time. You got to be very, very careful. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we all can, uh, l- learn some lessons there. So being able to help the people that you help in terms of somebody that you can help with business lending blueprint, generate an extra income to either supplement or replace their income like who's your ideal person that you can that you can help like you know if you're talking to the winners right now on the podcast like who's somebody that should freaking jump all over this and and be a part of your network so you can help them you know break away from their job you can help them you know be more financially independent like what does that person look like
2: yeah definitely someone anyone who's fed up with what's going on right now and they feel like you know, this is not going to go well with uh, for them in the next 5, 10, 15 years, right? Anyone who's looking at their current situation and they're going, this is fucking bullshit. Like, I can't sustain this I, at whatever level, I don't really know. So anyone who has that strong of a motivation, if you're looking for a massive paradigm shift, then you got to look at the Business Landing Blueprint. Whether you do that or not, uh, it's up to you, but at least check that out. Whether you have a job or a business, maybe you're stuck at a business, sometimes it's worse than having a job, right? Uh, or you, 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 you notice the writing is on the wall. I mean, even if you outperform everyone else on your team, maybe, maybe you'll get a 5% raise. What if you can just double your salary in the next 90 days? How about that? Will you ever be able to do that at your job? I doubt it uh, you know most if you, even if you had the, you're the most pleasant employee to your boss, they're not going to just double your salary in the next 90 days even in the next five years. So anyone with a strong why to make a change, we welcome you regardless of your background whether you understand finance or you understand alternative lending doesn't really matter. as long as you're coachable and you have a strong why you're definitely, uh, you definitely I should definitely check it out.
0: What, uh, what's an average income? that, you know, someone that, 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 like, what's the ceiling? Like, what, what what can they, you know, possibly make if they, you know, do what they need to do on, on their end? What do you see? Well, we
2: have people that are making three four $400,000 a month. Um, That's just in their bank account. So Ooh. it's just a million dollars, right? And we have people, and they're not just doing it by being brokers. Now they're syndicating, they're making money off of their money, right? So I was, I just interviewed one of our members who joined the blueprint like a year ago and he, he was. I didn't know the story, honestly, until he told me this morning. He was jumping from Airbnb to Airbnb, almost homeless, kind of homeless type of situation, trying to figure out what to do, then built it and failed miserably, then let go of his partner, got a new partner, then they exploded the business. Now he's growing so fast that he you know, attracted a bunch of investors mm-hmm. who are offering them a few million dollars. He started with them, now syndicating, so he's making money off of his money. That's how you build wealth, right? So we have people who just joined to make an additional through $3,000 a month. We have people that are overachievers who want to build a legacy. So that's poor. I, I I can't talk about the ceiling. There is none. That's just up to the person. You know, their imagination is their ceiling.
0: That's that's amazing. Uh, I love it. Where, uh, where, people, where can people go to find you and, and learn more about business lending blueprint? What's the best place for them to go?
2: I think best place is our website. We have everything in there. I do have a YouTube channel too, uh, but we put our, uh, the videos I release on YouTube channel is already uh, on, you know, uh, on the website. It's businesslendingblueprint.com. A lot of free information. So check it out and to see if this is a good fit.
0: Yeah. And then uh, winners, the uh, show in the show notes, uh, Oz's YouTube channel being there and then business lending blueprint will be there. What about the other social media, like Instagram, Facebook? Is, where are you is, living at Oz? Yeah. Where, where do you hang out?
2: I, I hang out on YouTube a lot, although it's not really interactive because I don't want a lot of interaction. I just want to focus on what I do. Uh, that's why we send people to our, uh, our uh, you know, our website. I do have an Instagram channel. It's uh, I, I only use it to communicate. I'm the only one responding back to the messages, but the content is being curated by a team. Uh, so we have some. Fo- I have some followers there. It's Oz Corner. If someone wants to follow that, they can get some business advice you know hopefully they find it valuable for, for, for their day to day and what they're going through but yeah that will be another channel but if they just follow com, they get they get what they need perfect
0: Cool. Well, winners, do yourselves a favor. Give uh, Oz a follow. Go check him out on Instagram. Go check out businesslendingblueprint.com. And uh, I, I checked out you know his social media and uh, you know his Instagram. He's got some really really good content. No matter what kind of entrepreneur or nine to fiver you are, um, I, just, I just got a lot of respect for you, Oz, and doing what you do. My my dad, he left Mexico in high school, uh, mm-hmm. immigrated to the U.S. Uh, I was grateful enough to be born in this amazing country. Uh, yeah. we, we look at everything, uh, you know, I think it's easy for people to complain about the country that we're, we live in and they can bitch about it, but all you gotta do is take a look at so many other countries, you know, yeah. I was just reading in, in Afghanistan that, uh, you know, like they're just taking away rights, you know, like women can't do certain things. And like, we're so fucking grateful to live in the United States of America. And, uh, I've always had a lot of respect for people like you, people like my dad that immigrate to a brand new country, don't speak a lick of English and they just build something. And then, you know, you got a family, you got two kids, you're, you're, you're building a legacy. So, um, you know, props to, to what you've done and the story that you've been able to write. And I know you're just getting started. I really do believe the best is yet to come for you, brother.
2: Absolutely, man. Those are really kind words. That's humbling, but great to be here with you guys. Amazing questions, amazing content for sure. Let's do uh, amazing things together. Whether someone joins the blueprint or not, just find me, tell me your story and I'll keep following you guys. The podcast is amazing, obviously, but thanks for having me. Yeah, I I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, make sure you guys, if you haven't already, if you're that one person that's listening to the show every fucking week and you haven't given us an interview, It would mean the world to Keita and I. If you head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review and uh, show us your love. So winners, have a great rest of your week. Oz, I hope you have a kick-ass rest of your day. And again, thank you for your time, brother. Peace.